We become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit, if she wished, mine. It's with the ancestors. I'm yeah, I'm drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and it don't worry me. And my name is Colin Drucker, and it has to do with the Industrial Revolution. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many things to say about this movie, but I'm excited. I I am. I think um, this was a a trek it was a journey and i split it up over a couple days and i let like the rental expire because i was too lazy to find it for free (laughs) and i had to pay another 2.99 on voodoo to to find it but you know here we are here we are here we are it took it was a long way to nashville but we got there and uh, that's in fact what we are here to talk about today 1975's uh epic ensemble, uh, comedy, drama, musical, uh, d- directed by Robert Altman and starring mm-hmm. just a bevy, a bevy of actors uh, that were just, you know, especially in, in the Best Supporting Actress category, were just, you know, uh, littered with nominations in 1976. Yeah, I remember I was really trying to rack my brain about when this first, when you first started talking about it on the podcast, like what... What's the story on your end here? I can't remind me. So Nashville, I mean, I don't remember when it like first got onto my radar, but I feel like it stayed on my radar once Barbara Harris came into my life, so sure. to speak. You know, she, I, you know, I, I've never met the woman and she's dead now. So my opportunity has gone. But uh, I think it was just kind of in like wanting to see more of of. Barbara Harris, and then it was like, oh, Nashville, and then you know you see all these other names like Shelley Duvall and Karen Black, and uh, and uh, you know Aubrey from from a, yeah Geraldine Chaplin, Charlie yes. Chaplin's daughter, and and um, Jeff Goldblum, and it was just like, oh, yeah, my goodness, it's wild. There's all these people, and so it, and I and I think also once we started doing this podcast, and as we kind of went through the years you know, of Best Supporting Actress nominees and winners. And inevitably, we've done so many movies from the 70s. We've done the Best Supporting Actress winners movie from 1976. We've covered Shampoo and Lee Grant's Oscar-winning oh, performance, wow. uh, which beat out all of the other ladies nominated. So uh, it was just kind of inevitable that we were eventually going to make our way to uh, to Tennessee. I'm glad we did it. I went through, I, I, I'm speaking in past tense already, but I'm glad we're doing it because I, I did go through a lot of emotions. Like I was like, this movie is awful. And then I was like, this movie's kind of cool. And I was like, okay, there's some great ladies. And then it was awful again. <laughs> I just went through like <laughs> everything. But in general, I was I was laughing at myself near the end because I just feel like 
did this movie need to be two hours and 40 minutes long? I don't know. There's a lot of people in it and some stories to wrap up and it kind of comes together. And the entire time I was waiting for something bad to happen and eventually it kind of does at the end, of course, which I don't want to spoil right off the bat, but there's some really great women to talk about in this movie, which yeah. is why we're here. So here yeah. we are. Here we are. It's uh, I know it is. I had seen it probably a couple years ago, and I remember really liking it. And I guess I just remember feeling, oh, that was a cool movie. But like you know, it was it was a uh, an endeavor. And then watching it again this time, it was like, yeah, there were definitely peaks and valleys, and there were valleys where I was like, oh God, not another song, <laughs> not another sure. Grand Ole Opry song. And that's, you know, and I say that, you know, but in the same breath, some of these songs were beautiful. Yes, just, I will say that too. Yes. Oh, just really incredible. And I love the the detail that more often than not, these songs were written by the by the actors who were performing them. So like there was also that like added layer kind of watching the credits. And it was like, oh, my God, Ronnie Blakely like wrote all of her own songs. Jesus Christ. That's really cool, and I forgot that. I, and I think that kind of gave me a little bit of a bump when I was, um, mm -hmm. a, a, you know, maybe a quarter of the way through. I was like, let's let's find out a little bit more about this movie. And I forgot that that was the case. So I was like, okay, that's really cool, especially for for Ronnie. That's really impressive. And I don't know how that process went. If she's like a musician, or maybe it's like sort of like a mariah carey situation where she's really great at writing songs but she doesn't read music you know i think that's the case don't come at me folks but, yeah uh, i what is what's cool. weird is that ronnie blakely was like a last minute casting after yes. another actress didn't want the role so i was like so had she already written the songs and then they gave her the role and, and this was early yeah. in her career it's not like it was like get ronnie we know ronnie's great you know yes she has a real Meryl quality. I think it's like in the nose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's it's like Meryl meets Shelley Duvall in a lot of ways. Yeah. Meryl yeah. Duvall. Uh, Meryl Duvall. And of course, uh, Ronnie Blakely and Lily Tomlin were both nominated for Best Supporting Actress uh, yes. in 1976. Uh, and, and of course, we had talked about this during the Shampoo episode, but alongside the fascinating and one day we'll do an episode with more of her but sylvia miles in farewell my lovely the incomparable brenda vaccaro in uh, what i don't think was an oscar worthy performance i've seen it in this movie once is not enough it's a stupid movie but she's fine um and she won the golden globe she beat out four whoa. of the national ladies for the golden globe uh but yeah i mean so it was like you know uh and let's actually let's qualify that so for the golden globe uh 1976 barbara harris Bronnie blakely lily tomlin and geraldine chaplin were all nominated as well as lee grant for shampoo and then brenda won i mean insane um wow but yeah it's uh it, it's quite a cast uh and and some good men too you know i gotta say there's some men in this that may show up in my discussions today. Yeah, I mean, folks, we're doing a five to one countdown. We're going back to base, not back to basics, but it's been a while since we've done one of these. So it's kind of fun, especially with the, such a an array of performances. But yeah, I my list is crazy, but I kind of love it. And there are some men. Uh, so just got to say it now. I agree. It happens. Now, I mean, to chart all of the alums of the podcast, of this podcast, what other podcasts would I be talking about that are in this movie? 
is nuts. But I, I think given that it's so recent, the fact that both Michael Murphy and Julie Christie from Away From Her are in this movie and even have a brief scene together blew my mind. Did you realize that? Yeah, I... It's weird. Sometimes, you know, the movies we choose, it's just this weird sort of through line. I'm like, I don't, where where does it lead next? Who knows? But that's, uh, yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, I just, there's this sense of like, oh, I know you. I remember when yes. you were Fiona and you were Aubrey. I mean, Ugh. like, that may have been the biggest revelation to me was like, as much as I hated Michael Murphy as Aubrey and away from her, what a little fox in this movie. Yes, John Triplett's. Yeah. Oh, he's like, and he was so just like, oh, I was just like, for as annoying as Aubrey was, John was so cool and funny and chill. Oh, my God. Great smile. Yeah. 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 God, Michael Murphy, I take it all back. I take it all back. You know, I will watch a movie with you in it. Yes. I will just, I'll pull a Fiona and I'll forget all about away from her. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh God. I hated him so much. Yeah. So much. That may have been one of my biggest takeaways from this movie was yep. like a real turnaround on Michael Murphy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I dig it. Uh, and it was nice to see Julie Christie. Like there was just like, look at you, you know? Yeah. And even uh, who else do we have here? Elliot Gould had a cameo. Oh my yeah. God. That man is like the original monkey qualities. Like, oh yes. Oh, and for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, that's like, I like men who kind of look like, monkeys like Eli Roth or Chris Messina or Elliot Gould. I just <laughs> a young I, Elliot Gould. A young Elliot Gould. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He is so hot. And like Elliot Gould in the seventies, like Google Elliot Gould in the seventies. I mean, the, I want my walls just plastered with pictures of Elliot Gould in the seventies. He is <laughs> yes. so hot. And he was married to Best Barbara Streisand. Yes. Yeah. I know. That's crazy to me. Oh my God. Love it. I love it. Um, yeah, my list is, is uh, I thought it was going to go before the move, and, I'll, and I'll, maybe I'll reveal what I thought after we go through the list, but before I watch this, I thought I knew who my, my number one BSA was going to be. And then I watched it again, and I was like, oh, maybe I don't remember that as, as I remember it. Maybe that's not as I remember it, which is not telling you anything other than the fact that my list surprised even me. Yeah, I I had similar feelings. I did a couple rearrangements, but I think I knew who I wanted my number one to be. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I feel pretty good about it. But yeah, some mention, and you know, I have some honorable mentions as we always do. Yeah, I do too. And and you know, as folks who know who've listened to these five to one episodes before, sometimes our lists match up in eerie ways. Yeah, sometimes they don't match at all. (laughs) I know. I mean, we did on our Patreon last week, we did our ultimate actress trips and we didn't have any overlap. Yeah, which is just shocking. You know what else I also realized doing that ultimate actresses trips? And I I wanted to clarify this even on the main episode, even though most of the people listening have not heard our Patreon episode, uh, the after show, which if you want to hear us, we literally cast Forget the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trips. We cast... Actri- the real actress, I don't know, actri- ultimate actresses trips. I don't know. I'm yeah. working title. Um, and my first season was Stars of the 70s. And I it occurred to me later, 
most of those women are dead. And so I just want to clarify, I was kind of imagining this was taking place in the 70s. I was picturing them as their 70s selves, you know? I think that's exactly how I interpreted it, too. So, yeah. But that's, you know, it's nice to say out loud, just in case. Valerie Harper, dead. Uh, Other ones, dead. So I just thought someone needed to name that. Um, So I feel, not that anybody wrote in or cared, but I just needed (laughs) to resolve that between the two of us, at the very least. Perfect. Well, and and so uh, before we, because uh, we should get into our, our honorable mentions, but just for anyone who doesn't know, so 1975 is in Nashville. It's not so much, there's not so much a plot. It's just a series of interconnected stories among like 24 different people in like five days in Nashville, uh, all kind of leading up to this like political convention. And so... Um, that and and that really is the whole like there's all these little interconnected mini plots but there's no larger plot it's just it's just that ensemble thing where you see one character and then they turn a corner and suddenly you're like I know that other character oh that's how they're connected you know yes it's kind of like maybe not the earliest iteration of it but you know I feel like love actually is the first one that comes to my mind when mm-hmm. like all these ensemble movies like like what you're just saying it's like a, it's a cast of people they're interconnected it's like those move what is it like valentine's day or yeah like new mm-hmm. year's eve or whatever it is um yeah magnolia i feel like that's one of these kind of movies sure. i've never it's seen like, magnolia but it's neither have i it's I'm, over three hours yeah. whoa yeah okay well we're we're gonna need a couple months before we get another <laughs> yeah. three-hour movie yeah like w- next week we're gonna do a tiktok <laughs> yeah the bsa is a tiktok yeah. hello hello no come hello. on now now come on now yeah <laughs> i like, can't stop saying it now i'm like now come on now it's just like stuck in my yeah stuck in my mouth um it's so good but anyway so why don't we why don't we dive in why don't we dive in and talk about our honorable mentions. Let's do it. I actually think I might have three honorable uh, mentions. I don't know how many you have. I think I have one. I have like six. Okay. <laughs> but there's Basically 24 the people cast. to choose from. Yeah. I know. It's hard. Yeah. Um, I'll kick it off real quick. And this is like, I can't remember at what point if he, you know, dips in and dips out of the movie. But one at one point of the movie, I felt like he was the only person who had some sense in him. And this is uh, Robert Dequi as Wade. He's mm. the one who comes up and talks to that. Oh gosh, that poor woman, Suleen, and kind of helps her out um, in a time of need, and just kind of yells at her and says, "Like you can't sing, stop this." And uh, of course, she doesn't listen to him. But I was like, "Yeah, this guy gets it," and uh, you know, so much so that he's on my honor- honorable mention. No, he he was a relief. He because he's the the cook who works with her at the cafe. I, I read the uh, the Wikipedia summary uh, before we wow. recorded, which really clarified a lot of things that I didn't put together. Oh, good. So that okay, should help. Because, I mean, yeah, so I don't want to sound like I got everything. I, you know, I did it and I had to read it. But yeah, so they work together at the airport cafe. Uh, and yeah, and I think there's sort of a, maybe a, a sort of potential romance or at least friendship there. And then, yeah. yeah he's, He's like, you can't sing. You just can't. Someone's going to tell you you're a terrible singer and I'm going to Detroit. Come with me. And it, it's, and I love, I don't know. There's something about, it's actually like just movies from the seventies, but I love in older movies, characters who are like next week, 
I'm going to Detroit. You coming with me? It's like nobody just does that anymore, you know? Yeah. Uh, just pack a bag, pack a guitar, and, and you're off in a yeah. station wagon or something. Right. It's just, I don't know. I mean, maybe people do that, cool. but it just seems, I don't know, seemed more possible back then. Yeah. Um, so that's one of mine. Uh, how about how about you knock out a couple of yours? Yeah. Well, since I've already talked about them, I'll, I'll, I'll do them both at once. You know, I... For all of the aforementioned reasons we've discussed earlier, Michael Murphy and Elliot Gould deserved an honorable mention because of the feelings they gave me. I like that. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. A little recognition. Yeah. Uh, what else do you got? I have another cameo, but I just love these ladies. I, I wrote Sheila and Patty, the Smoky Mountain Laurels. They're in that one scene. And they sing a duet together, and one of them's like 16 inches taller than the other one, and they sound really good. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, this is kind of lovely. Yeah, that was really cool. They were that was a really and that I think to go back to your point of like, and I'm sure they are like actual singers yes. in Nashville, but like, like so many of the the extras in this movie, those felt like real people. Like this was these were not performers. These were not like anything other than who we were seeing in the movie. Yeah, I they. They made me smile, and I like yeah. them a lot. So, Shelly, Shelly, Sheila and Patty. Sheila and Patty, not to be confused with my horses, Ruth and Cheryl. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, <laughs> too many names. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, I'm going to throw one out here, uh, and, and actually I can reveal now. I, I had remembered, listen, she's great. But for some reason I had remembered her one of her songs being like my favorite from this. And then this time I was like, I don't know where that song went. But she, I, she almost made the list. But I'm just gonna say her name, Karen Black as Connie, Connie White. Perfect. She's not on my list. I actually forgot about her, to be honest. But go, go on. Yes. Well, you know, I think what I what I love about her is that Karen Black is, oh God, she's such an interesting actress. She's so just, oh, there's just so much there. She's, she's, I don't know. She's just a fascinating actress. And I felt like watching her in this, especially watching her sing there's something kind of there's something sort of sad and manic in her eyes that is true in many other Karen Black yes. performances and i just love that juxtaposition of like there was something in her eyes and then there she was trying to be the superstar you know yep yeah it's like she was a little just like rough around the edges i feel like it's her eyeliner that was too dark and not in a good way you know it mm -hmm. just really did kind of make her look a little I don't know if gaunt is the right word, but it, but she was, I don't know. She's like, I, I almost said like a wolf's a wolf in sheep's sheep's clothing. But it's like you know, it's like she's she's not that gal, but she's trying so desperately to be, and she's kind of pulling it off. That's an interesting way to put it. That is, I think, a really accurate way to describe Karen Black. Is like underneath this, like you know, kind of almost performance of this like you know beautiful actress there's a wolf quality about her oh yeah oh my god she's you know if you ever want to see both sides of it i mean she's been in a thousand things but there's this famous tv movie called trilogy of terror uh oh, and she's in all three stories but the the one most people know is the this the zuni fetish doll story where this woman um buys this little zuni fetish doll and brings it home with her and then it comes to life and it chases her around her apartment <gasps> Oh my God. It's so good. Um, but then I think there's another story in that where she plays twin sisters and one of them is evil. And there you really kind of see the two, you know, two sides of Karen. Oh yeah. That'd be yeah. fun. That would be yeah. Fun. I'd love to get another Karen black episode on this podcast. We got to find a way to 
talk about her again because I really like Karen Black. All right. I'm down for that. Yeah. Uh, what do you got? I have, oh man, this is tough too because I, I desperately wanted to put her in the top five, just be, but I don't think there's enough there, but I got to hand it to her. Just, I think she had like three lines total in the movie, but some of the best outfits and some of the zaniest just micro moments. And that goes to Shelley Duvall as L.A. Joan. L.A. Joan. Uh, you know, Shelley is also in my honorable mentions list. And oh, I perfect. had very similar feelings. She She does kind of, weave in and out of this without too many long scenes i think shelly duvall's been in a bunch of robert altman movies there's actually oh my god there's this movie called three women uh sissy okay. spacek lil uh shelly duvall and then this other actress janice rule and it's not an ensemble movie there's probably like three other characters in the movie oh god it's so good and shelly duvall is just next level it's just it's so nuanced i don't I don't know if it fits the BSA. I don't know. I think I feel like they're all kind of leads in a way, but we sure. might do three women sometime because it's really, really good. It sounds good. I just sent you a picture. I texted it to you of my favorite shot of Shelly in this entire movie. When oh God. Cigarette. I cackled. Because, <laughs> oh God, the wigs are just insane. And she's so thin. I feel like my grandma was saying that. Like, she's so skinny, but she really is, like, dangerously yeah. skinny. I was, and tall, I guess. I don't know. It, this movie, I know, it's like she kind of reminded me of Roller Girl. Oh, yeah. And I feel yeah. like there's, it's a good sort of companion piece in a way, like Nashville and Boogie Nights. Because um, mm -hmm. it's, it's such a, like, I think Boogie Nights is the the better movie. It it just has a little bit more clarity in my mind, but like it there is some stuff that reminds me of that. This reminds me of that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I feel like Julianne Moore in that movie is very Karen Black. Yeah. Like I could see cuz I was also watching this, not that I would ever want to see a remake of this because this is also so rooted in the 70s. But like there were a lot of these where I was like, oh, if you did do a remake, I could see that person being played by so and so. Um, and yeah. I hadn't really had a recast for uh, for Karen Black, but maybe I would say an age appropriate, you know, quantum casting, you know, a similar age Julianne Moore. Yeah. And I feel like. I don't know. I feel like Henry Gibson is the, um, is it Burt Reynolds who's in Boogie Nights? That's yeah. Sort of like, yeah. That figure. I don't know. So yeah, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll figure out more Boogie Night parallels as we, as we move through this. Geraldine Chapman is like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned Geraldine Chaplin. She's is it Chaplin or Chapman? Because she's, it's oh, Chaplin I'm so glad you corrected me because I wrote Chapman the entire time. Yeah, because she's Charlie Chaplin's daughter granddaughter whoa granddaughter i think um i know i could look it up but i i like not knowing um because i so she is one of my honorable mentions because opal drives me nuts i she just drives me it's a great performance but she just drives me up the wall she's the aubrey of this movie um mm -hmm. but if i were to recast it granted it's not boogie nights she's giving me big kate beckinsale Oh, yeah. I would even throw in Parker Posey. Ooh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah doing like, like excited baby hands. Yeah. Yes. Um, Opal pops up on my list, actually, in my top five. So I'm going to I'm going to save the rest of my thoughts on. Opal. Yeah. But All right. I agree. Jolene she Chapman. is wild. 
Yeah. yeah. Did I say Chapman again? No, oh. I was just figuring. <laughs> Keep saying Chaplin though, because I feel like I'm looking at my notes and I'm not correcting them. Okay, I'm just gonna put L I N Lin Manuel. Um, okay, great. Uh, so, is that the end of your honorary mentions? Then? I have one more. Okay, go for it. Yeah, we're here to we're you know like at the Westons, we have to break some hearts at the Westons, you know, and we have to break some hearts in these episodes. And there's 24 people, and there was a lot there, but. Lily Tomlin didn't make my list. Go on, go on. But she's she's great. The scene where she's like listening to her her son talk about swimming lessons, uh, swimming practice, and all of the interactions with her two deaf kids are just it's so good. And she's so she's so good in this. And I I I think you know there's a, there's a little bit of heartbreak weave throughout the all of Nashville, and I'm just keeping the spirit alive by a little bit of heartbreak in this episode and I didn't put Lily on the list. That's okay. I, I see that thought process and I, I do agree, agree to an extent too. So I'm, I'm with you, but she is in my top five. So I'll, I'll save, I'll save my thoughts, but yeah, I, I don't know if that would have been my clear choice for an Oscar nom either too. It's like, I know yeah. it's Lily, but I would have, I would have given it to someone else. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, all that being said, why don't you kick us off with your with your number five? Okay, maybe a little high on the list here. High on the list, low on the list, I guess. Yeah, it's mm. a higher number, but low. I'm like, I like move my hand up um, <laughs> as I said that just to like quantify it. Anyway, um, I'm I'm gonna say Barbara Harris, who plays Albuquerque. That's her character's name, and it's not really mentioned too much. I feel like they say it only once, and. Essentially, she is the character who is, you know, trying to break into the biz and like she's with this guy and then he's chasing her around and then she finally gets rid of them, rid of him, excuse me, and she ends up having this great moment towards the end. So I'll probably just stop there because I'm sure she's on your list. She is on my list. So I I can certainly... give my thoughts in a bit on Barbara Harris, but you know, I'm Lovely. so happy we're talking about Barbara Harris. I'm just so happy. Yes. We, I we have, it uh, feels right. Yeah. I'm just, just to say her name. It, it's like, it's like almost like prying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like it. Um, well, how well, about your number five, I guess, or did you do your number five? No, I did not. I did not. Well, my number five is, um, Ned Beatty as Dell. Uh, oh who is, my God. Yeah. Who is Lily Tomlin's husband. And I think yes, he plays yes. like an attorney who's like friends with Haven Hamilton. And, you know, I don't know. He's in the movie, but I felt like, and the thing is that most of the script, the, the dialogue is improvised and you can kind of feel that at points. And I just, I felt like he just, lived in this role i and like to to do some some uh quantum remake casting and a little overlap with boogie nights big john c Riley vibes oh yeah i totally got that yeah i just i don't know there was something about him i think what i i think the moment that i liked him the most was after he had they were at that like cookout or whatever at that cabin in the woods and they had met Elliot Gould. And then he was like, you know, someone told him that that was Elliot Gould and he was like, Oh my God, I just said hello to him. Like he was just some other, like just some nobody off the street. Like it was such a, 
a non-actory kind of moment. And I, I, I really like Ned Beatty. That's actually someone I would like to find more ways to talk about on this podcast in terms of like best supporting actors. He was nominated for network for like a five minute performance, you know, a la our network, like 76 network, our network. Yeah. He's in, he's in one scene. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't even remember. Yeah. So, uh, so That's yeah, cool. Ned Beatty. I just I don't know. I I think he's a, a fascinating actor, and I really enjoyed him in this. He's in it quite a bit. I also feel like we do see a lot of Dell. Yeah, he is. I I that was I did like that moment a lot too. Because then he goes over to him. He's like, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't know who you were. Yeah, come on over here. It it does feel very human, and I love that barbecue scene a lot actually. And it's one of my favorite Lily Tomlin scenes which actually is the best little segue here to go to my number four which is lily tomlin um and i agree for everything that you said so far too like you know the way that she listens to her kids at the beginning talking about swim practice and i didn't really like ned Beatty at first too because he just didn't seem interested in the kids too and like but her sort of attention to the there's just so much love there and attentiveness too and i and i do think her gospel singing is crazy and i don't even think i don't know why they had to like write that in it just feels so out of left field what did you think of it i it it didn't i like watching her do it i was like i just don't know if i'm buying it feels this. weird it feels wrong if it's like i i don't know and i thought there was going to be some sort of you know, she's the attorney's wife, you know, so like she gets the perks of like recording this like gospel album, but she's not famous, but she's in the business. Mm-hmm. So that was like neither here nor there, I guess, too. But one of my favorite scenes is at that cookout when she's um, talking about like the the story about the blood behind the eye. She's yeah. telling this stupid, not stupid, but like this story to someone. And it just I think that was when I really noticed that or kind of had like an inkling that like this feels so improvised because it feels like she is saying this for the first time and it felt so conversational um and it's really funny that Dell also shines in that scene because they're they're married too and they're connected so that's that's kind of a cool little happy accident i guess yeah and in some ways like i would i would have loved to see more scenes of of their because uh, he's Dell, and then she's what's her character's name uh linnea linnea yeah linnea yeah. i don't know i i was very interested in their in their chemistry and i think they're both just such distinct kind of i mean i don't think of her as a character actor but i think that she could be a character actor in a different world sure they have character actor energy so it's like i just want to watch them play you know yeah i feel like any of these subplots could have been a movie on its own too i also just texted you my two favorite shots of uh Lily, the, so they're both so ridiculous. Her on that phone oh. and her sitting in the bar, too. I love that shot of her in the bar just listening to Tom sing. Oh, that, I mean, I agree. Her at the her in the bar watching him sing, like that, oh, it just, she is... Of, re- uh, grape juice or whatever, or cider. Oh, yeah, apple cider, but could you put it in a wine glass? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she is really great in this. I, uh, and you know, we got to get more Lily Tomlin on this podcast, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know where we find that. I don't really love Nine to Five. I watched it, yeah, um, and it was it was fine. Love the music, love Dolly, love everyone in it. To be honest, mm-hmm. but I was just like, okay, this is this is fine. Um, yeah, but I I just um, 
I really liked her in this movie. Again, it's like she wouldn't be my choice of all these women to be nominated. But, you know, I feel like maybe she had some clout by that point, And why not? Yeah. Well, uh, she may have beat out my number four choice for for and, and maybe this would be considered more. You know, no, I would say it's just as big a role as anybody else. My number four is Barbara Baxley as Lady Pearl. Oh man, I, gosh, I feel like there was an iteration of my list that included her, but she would have been in my top five, I think. Oh gosh, I hate this list. Okay, my list now because of that, because I loved her, go on. Yes, let's, let's I thought, talk about it. I thought she was just so, and and once I read the the description, I understood that. So I think she's Haven Hamilton's like lady companion, and she's a nightclub owner. And I just thought that she was like, if I were to do some quantum casting, I feel like there's a number of other ladies, but like put Melissa Leo in a little curly wig, <laughs> you know, or Susan Sarandon. That's, oh, that's my, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, because um, she has that sort of uh, what is it that. Betty Davis sort of quality, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go on. Not I, Betty Davis. Yeah, Betty Davis, right? Yeah, Betty Davis, yeah. yeah. Um, I I just, I loved her kind of like, she's got that, she's got that like rough kind of like, like she's not afraid to, she's not afraid to be like, you know, smoking a cigarette and eating a burger and going, I got to take a piss, you know? Like she has that, some of that energy, but like I, what I, what I love the most, and I think this was at, can't remember where they were in the movie they were somewhere at a bar or something but she was talking to opal all about the jfk assassination and about you know oh, those kennedy yes. boys and, yes and, I, it, and it was just so good and i know she she wrote all of that obviously all this is improvised but i know she wrote all of that monologue and i just and she starts to get choked up thinking about you know jfk and, and talking about bobby kennedy and and i i loved kind of seeing that other side of her because we also see her just being like there's that scene before the car crash on the highway where she and Haven are fighting about like Wanda, 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 who doesn't matter. It was a hit, you know, like, so we know that she's kind of like that, but like, I just found her, I just, I found her fascinating as really like a featured ensemble character who, you know, doesn't have a song, you know, it doesn't have like those kind of featured moments. Uh, She does have a really funny moment at that barbecue. I can't remember like, maybe Dell makes some kind of joke about like wanting a cigarette or something. And she just, she starts laughing at some joke that somebody made. And it feels like you're watching actors between takes just like shoot. Yes. Shit. Mm-hmm. I, I can't stress how disappointed I am that I didn't add her because those, that line want to wander. What difference does it make? It was a hit. Like the way that she hits the word hit. I cackled at that. I was like, <laughs> that's where I kind of was in. I was uh-huh. like, okay, I like her more yeah. her. Um, and, and then she went away for a bit and came back for that JFK monologue. But yes, she is on my list. If, you know, somewhere in there, she probably, if I, I, oh God, I hate to say I'd get rid of Barbara Harris, but I know, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm, I'm excited and I'm ashamed that I forgot her, but, um, well, I'll share, I'll share, we'll we'll share the Baxley. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, my number three um, is Ronnie Blakely. Okay. Um, for, cause like at the beginning, I, first I just love the name Barbara G and I just think it's such a great name. Um, but also I bought, 
I don't know where she's from originally. I don't know if she was just like really good at this, you know, sort of dialect. Um, but I just bought everything about her. I loved like this ethereal 70s look. Like she seemed to always be wearing white. I don't really love her first like arc of the movie where she's kind of just stuck in the hospital bed, I guess. I'm like, mm-hmm. what's what's this about here? But, you know, the monologue where she goes off about just like talking about her like her granddaddy or her like her mom or someone or grandma. I was like, what's happening here? But I loved it. I loved how that she was just flying off the rails. Yeah, I mean, she certainly is on my list. And and I reading the Wikipedia synopsis really clarified for me, like this whole idea that she was in the hospital for like burns or whatever. All of that's a cover up for the fact that she had a mental breakdown, you know, and now she's been trotted out to perform again too early. And I, I like that whole concept of like, oh, this you know, this bunt cake is not ready for prime time. Like it's collapsing. I, I really, uh, I thought she was fascinating. And, and in the kind of quantum casting of like the remake, I mean, there's so many people that I'm forgetting, but like when we talk about that, like ethereal quality, I thought Dakota Johnson. <gasps> oh yeah. Yeah. That just, would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I, um, she, I, I loved her performance, so I'll talk about her in a bit, but I, I really enjoyed Barbara Jean. I think she was so great in this and, and the fact that she wasn't the first choice. And I think she has a great voice. I really bought like that. She could be a popular recording artist. She had that warmth. I love that. She went up to Mr. Green. Oh, Mr. Green and his, his poor wife, Esther. Oh yeah. That was a, such an, that was such an interesting, he almost made my like honorary, uh, I guess like, you know, runner ups. Um, because I, I did feel for him and I did love when she's like going out of the hospital. She's like, how's Esther? Is she taking her vitamin E or whatever it was? Mm-hmm. I thought it was so sweet. Um, I love her. I love Barbara Jean. Yeah. Barbara Jean. Oh, God bless her. Um, yeah. Well, my number three is poor Suline Gay played by <gasps> Gwen Wells. Lead us in. She's not on my list, so this is perfect. Wow. Oh. I know, I know. You were just I, like, nobody. Nobody makes the my list. My list is crazy. You're going to gasp at my last two. It's, oh it's my God. truly wild. But yeah, tell us about Suline. Oh, I, you know, I think I think the idea of having a movie that's, that's sort of a musical and then having one of the characters be a genuinely terrible singer and have that be part of the plot and just the tragedy of Suline. And she is an awful singer. And... And is just like set up for failure by being hired for that fundraising, you know, situation with all those assholes. And then Ew, it's gross. Ugh. And then they then they tell her, you know, if she really wants a spot at the, the political convention, she's she has to do a strip tease. And it's just Suleen is so sad and so tragic. And I feel like there's sort of a like sissy spacek and, and carry quality about her. Yes. You know? Oh yes. Where yes. it's just like, I just need, you know, what's her name? Uh, what's her snakes? That woman. Sue Snell. No, what the other one. About? The gym teacher, uh, played by the Broadway oh, actress. Betty Buckley. <laughs> Betty Buckley. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was like, the Broadway actress, help me. Yes, um, I got you I just, for once. I just, <laughs> I just need Betty Buckley to just like comb her hair and see, say, see, look, you're beautiful. Just smile. You know, like I just yes. need that. You don't need those men. Yeah, right. I just need Miss Collins to show up. Um, but, you know, thinking about the kind of quantum casting of Gwen Wells, I thought, oh, this would be such an interesting performance from like Jessica Chastain 
or I might be thinking of Bryce Dallas <gasps> oh, Howard. Yes. You know? Yeah, no, yeah, I'd love to see both of them play yeah. Suleen. Yeah, it would yeah. be. Oh, God, she's so great. Yeah, she's great. She, and that and green her dress. So, that green dress, those awful songs. Oh, my God. The, her rehearsing oh. in her mirror and like doing the doing her little choreography. And it's all just it's just so tragic. And she's just completely refuses to see how bad she is. And I love at the end when she's just like plastering herself against that pillar. Like the whole end of the movie is just her like pressed against that pillar. And I just yes. can't stop thinking about that. Yeah. It's yeah. That awful on the pink pillar. dress. Yeah. Ugh. God, she's a mess. I, I'm glad she's on your list. And I, I think she is. And, and maybe that's why Wade was on my honorary mentions because he's, he's really the only one who kind of, gives a shit about Suleen in this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I like I was I was glad cuz you know at the end Dell gets drunk and tries to, you know, uh make a move on her and I was just like, "Oh, thank God for Wade." I just Suleen has been through enough. Yes, leave her alone. Yeah. She's you know, she makes me think about um Uma Thurman's character from Hysterical Blindness. Oh, yes. Yeah, Debbie. Just that sense uh. of like I think about like Debbie after she like makes you know gets rejected by Justin Chambers character by Rick and then she leaves the bar and I just think like oh Debbie you're just down and out in Bayonne and I kind of feel like Suleen kind of ends up in that same kind of emotional state oh yeah I feel like Suleen is even more tragic of a character too which is that's yeah that's a lot she doesn't have a Juliette Lewis she doesn't have a Beth you know yeah she doesn't she just doesn't yeah well, what do you got for us? Oh my gosh. My number two, and this is I think he's I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say who it is first and then I'll get into it. It's Henry Gibson as Haven <laughs> Hamilton. Okay. And I it it was kind of a slow burn for me because I was like, I know this guy from the movie The Burbs with Tom Hanks from like oh, yeah. 1989. Uh-huh. And he's scary in that movie. And uh, he's also in like wedding crashers he like plays the priest but i just think that i also i also bought just as much as i bought um oh my gosh i almost said connie blakely but her name's ronnie blakely um chaplain in that yes chaplain (laughs) right in that that 70s sort of vibe that someone who like and almost like much like we're talking about like you know lydia tar feels like a real person like they both felt like real country music stars and i but i you know I think really a lot of the micro moments, like his face journey, whenever they call Connie White on stage to sing and he almost oh, gets up. I love yeah. that. Oh, and yeah. just like the way that he watches her too and like claps and, but like is there's so much going on there. And that song at the beginning is so awful and he's such a diva about it because it's the dumbest song. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they, they probably sang it like 300 times. Um, but there was something about him that I just liked. I feel like everyone sort of kissed his ring and you could tell that he was on his way out and he wasn't hot shit anymore, but he still thought he was because even at the end too, after, um, uh, oh my goodness, so many names here. Uh, Ronnie Blakely's Barbara Jean. Barbara Jean. She sings. He like comes out and like holds his hands up in the air. Like, remember me? I sang too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I really liked him, and I, I think he's kind of handsome in a way, in like this very scary way. Because um, he's like, I, I looked up like a young Henry Gibson, and he's, I, I like his smile. 
Yeah, I you know he he is he's a he's a good looking little guy. I feel like he's like five foot two, and I just swear. yeah yeah uh, yeah. Well, and if we ever do Magnolia, he's in Magnolia. No way. So you may get a little okay. bit more of your Henry again if we ever oh want to do a gosh, three hour Henry. epic. My Henry. Oh Henry. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't expect him to to rank so high, but he just kept coming back to me, and by the end, I feel like, you know, not much of an arc there. I guess we leave him. I mean, he does get shot at the end too but he's not you know not fatally wounded i guess but um you know we'll talk about the ending after our list probably i'm assuming yeah well and and i and part of the ending discussion will certainly come up with my number two uh ms barbara harris oh yes go for it you know i I, throughout the movie you know she there's almost something kind of screwball about her character and like just trying to like you know just just trying to get to the old opry and i mean i the the scenes where she's trying to i I guess she's trying to get in backstage at the opry and the and the security guard stops her and she's just i think she runs into connie white and she's like oh hey i met you you signed my album and you know yeah you should call me we should like she just has this whole little moment with with connie white i mean she's Barbara Harris is nuts. She's so fucking good. Like she's such a good actress and she's so perfect for a movie like this that it's improv based and it's so much about just like being these characters in these moments and she's like a, you know, Tony Award winning singer. Yeah. Like she's an incredible singer. And so I love also the device that we never really get to hear her sing until the ending. And then the fact that she gets the ending after two hours and 40 minutes or two hours, you know, 35 minutes, she then gets that, you know, uh, don't worry me, you know, sing along. And there was something about it that really like, I didn't get like fully choked up, but I felt like she, as it went on. And I think what I appreciated was it went on. Like we were going to hear this song for a few minutes. Sure. She, She just... God, she just puts her whole fucking back into it. And and I just, you could just hear her pouring her heart into the song. And it really, it was so powerful and so cool that like at the end of this huge story was this silly little character just pouring her heart out at, you know, at, at this convention and like throwing the flowers. I love when she throws the flowers at the end. Oh, Barbara yeah. Harris, just, I, I fucking love her. I think one of the things that I, I don't want to say ruined like her sort of ranking for me too, but I did re- I think I read it at IMDb or where did I read it? Something about the end, like the ending that she gets her moment at the ending or, or like maybe it was a review on IMDb that I was like, ah, and I like read it too quickly. And I, I was like, Oh man, that's really cool. And I'm kind of sad that I know that now as opposed to just watching it live in real time. So mm-hmm. a little bit of that was, uh, you know, taken away from me, which sounds dramatic, but, um, but nonetheless, too, like it is a great moment. I I don't disagree with you when it's like she's, she's been waiting for it. It's in the strangest opportunity, you know, like it's in the strangest place for her to like ever just. But it's like somebody sing. I think it's you know Haven that says, but someone needs to sing, and it's just this mm-hmm. moment, and she picks it up. I love the way she holds the mic too. I'm really obsessed with that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in, in the quantum casting, there was something about her in this that was giving me Jennifer Lawrence. Whoa. I know. And I never would have thought that about Barbara Harris, but I was getting like, I could see Jennifer Lawrence doing a performance like this. 
Yeah, honestly, have you seen, I don't think we covered it, but did you see American Hustle? No, I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's like a direct, but like I, I picture her in that because that takes place in the 70s too. And yep. she, she doesn't have a Barbara Harris wig, but I can see it. I think that's my connective tissue there. Yeah. 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 Oh, Barbara. Well, what, what do we, are, I guess are we up to our number ones? Wow. Are you ready for mine? Because I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, and yeah, I'm not going to do an introduction. I'm just going to say who it is. The one, the only. Geraldine Chaplin is my number one as Opal for all the wrong reasons and all the right reasons. I think she is so obnoxious <laughs> and I I just hated her. I just wanted to hit her and hit her hard <laughs> at the beginning. And I just like, cause she's like that annoying person with the microphone and like, she's just, she's too loud in quiet rooms. Um, but God, I just, could not stop thinking about her after watching this movie. I I loved her hat with like a little. It was like a like a sixteenth note, like two sixteenth notes and an yep. eighth notes, like this bedazzled hat, like bucket hat that she wears like practically the whole time. I just loved her and hated her in equal parts, and I'm I'm obsessed. <laughs> I mean, like she she does. I mean, it's an incredibly effective performance because I I get it. Like, I mean, when she's wandering the the you know the graveyard, yeah, the as cars. she says, oh, the, yeah, and pretty I, poetic I, though. Yeah, wandering this American graveyard, and and it she's and she's such a it is a, a, a significant role in the movie. I feel like she and Ned Beatty are kind of like big you know bigger roles in the movie in terms of this ensemble. Um, yeah, I we're and we're supposed to hate her. And I think there's also what I also learned from Wikipedia is there's also the suggestion that she doesn't actually work for the BBC and that this is all just like a British. Oh, I love that even more. Yeah. Yes. That's what I needed to hear. That makes yeah. me feel even better. <laughs> yeah, no, and I it's totally valid. And I I I feel like you gave her your number one spot and I stuck her in the honorable mentions for the exact same reasons. Cause she just such a, such a strong emotional response. So, um, yeah, but you got Barbara Baxley in your top. So that's, that's, hey, um, yeah, you, you know. know, but I feel like that also says so much about the character of Opal that like some people, like you both love her and hate her, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, where the part that I just like fell in love with her cause she was just so excited that she slept with Tom. Is it about Tom? Um, <laughs> and Tom was at that bar. She's like, Tom speak of the devil. And then she's just so excited to see him. And you know, she thinks that he's singing about her, but of course he's singing about Lily Tomlin. Uh, he's hot too. Tom is hot. Oh um, yeah. Was that Keith Carradine? Yeah. Yes. Um. Yes. Uh, but I just, I loved Opal. I just loved her. Ugh. Well, you know, and just a special mention because she's not on my she's not my number one. She, she wasn't my honorable mentions, but um, <clears throat> excuse me, Christina Raines, who plays Mary in that trio, um, yes, who you know also sleeps with Tom and also thinks Tom is singing about her. I love that moment when I think she's talking to Opal, and then Opal reveals, or or maybe uh, the other guy in their trio is talking to Opal and Opal talks about how she slept with Tom and you see Mary like turn away. And like, there's just that moment of like knowing that Opal has also slept with him and that he is yeah. not, that she's not the special one. And I, I appreciated that moment. Um, I, I, an aside about Christina Raines is that she is in this, I haven't seen it in a while. I'm pretty sure it's bonkers. This, this horror movie from the seventies called the Sentinel that has a bit of an ensemble Ooh. cast, including Sylvia Miles and Burgess Meredith 
and uh oh what's her name uh oh my god i'm forgetting everyone's name today but the woman who's in um christmas vacation the mom uh beverly d'angelo jesus uh nice and jeff goldblum i mean like you know if it would almost be like a spooky movie for us to do i I don't think it's too scary. Um, I think it's just mostly weird, but it's like, uh, you know, this girl, this, this woman moves into this like brownstone apartment in Brooklyn Heights. And, you know, there's an old blind priest in the, in, in the attic apartment, just watching out the window. And it turns out everybody in the building is, you know, it's like a Rosemary's baby situation, you know? Got it. And um, we didn't talk about Jeff Goldblum in this movie. Sorry to, to interrupt that thought. No, no, that's it. Yeah, no, we didn't. Jeff Goldblum has no lines. Uh, yeah. There was a part of me that was just like, ugh, enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jeff Goldblum, by the way, has the best IMDb picture of all time. It's so cool. And yep. it, like, it's just like, it, it screams Jeff Goldblum. But like, I feel like him and Christopher Walken are two peas in a pod. You know what I mean? I need to yeah. see them like take a road trip somewhere. But um yeah, and but there's nothing really to say either to that he's just there. So there's yeah. that. Um, I know. I just I clicked on his IMDb profile. I love that picture, and they're showing this little like you know IMDb has a little like video next to their picture, and they're showing little clips from Jurassic Park. And he was so hot in Jurassic. Oh Park. yes. Oh my With god. The shirt, the button-down shirt, that pose. Yeah. Yes. Oh god. You know, there's a world where we could do a Jurassic Park episode about Laura Dern. Oh my God! Yeah, run, yeah. run, yeah. and run. the whole scene in the power station, and when she with the attack from the raptor, and then oh, when she runs God, out, and she closes even. the gate, and she cries. <laughs> oh God! And like the hand comes on her, she's like, "Thank God." <laughs> that, that is my favorite scene. <laughs> or even just her like running, you know, when the guy's like, "Go, go now," and she's like, and the music's like, "Wait, no, wait, no, wait, no, wait, no," like these violins, and she's yep. like running as fast as she can. Oh God! <sighs> I. The Dern, the Dern. We don't talk about the Dern enough. Ever since a marriage story, we were like, enough of the Dern. <laughs> I know. Jesus. <laughs> uh, well, that brings us to my number one. And I like, it's Ronnie Blakely as Barbara Jean. Yes. I I think that she was robbed of the Academy Award. I yeah. think the fact that she wrote these songs, just, it makes me want to watch her performance again. And that scene where she's having the meltdown at the performance and she's just rambling on is genius. The scene. It is the scene. It's incredible. Oh my God. She's so good and so tragic and so interesting. And and I agree when she's just like stuck in bed with her gross husband, I'm like, Oh God, is this going to be the whole movie? And it's like, no, there's another hour and 20 minutes. Um, I know, you know, but I, I just really, I, I love Barbara Jean and I, I, yeah, I love her songs. I just think they're so beautiful. I just, oh, uh, she's Barbara like Jean. a dove. I just yeah. want to like, she's so, I, yeah, she just lives in this character and her songs are beautiful. And I think she's the, the best singer, maybe besides Barbara Harris in, in the entire movie. Yeah. And, and it, that it's like one of her, it might be like her second movie ever. Like, it's not like, I mean, what an amazing kind of debut. And the only yeah. other thing I really know her from is she played the mom in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I think I saw that on IMDb. I mean, I I have not seen that movie, and I probably never will. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't think you'd like it. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd be a, just a smidge scared. But it's also like a '70s 
movie. You know, I feel like yeah. I could get through that. But it's from the eighties. But you know, is it from the eighties? It's from the eighties. Like eighty four. I guess you would know. Eighty four. Yeah, eighty yeah, oh, four. Yeah, but you know, uh, I feel like was she? No, that was somebody else. I feel like there was somebody. No, I feel like there was someone who some. No, she. I'm thinking of. This is not relevant. I'm thinking of some actor who shot his wife, and it's not Ronnie Blakely, and the actor just died, and none of all oh. this is irrelevant because I can't remember his names. <laughs> okay, Robert I, Evans. I don't no, know it's not it Robert is. Evans. Yeah. yeah. No, I may just even cut this. No, I'm just gonna leave it, just like Nashville. I'm just gonna leave it all in. Yeah, just leave it all in. <laughs> Mention it all. Mention it all, even if you can't think of anybody's name. But yeah, I uh, that's that's my number one. Is my is my Barbara Jean. Oh, I think it's a perfect way to sort of get into the conversation of the ending here, too, because I was going to say this earlier, but I didn't want to, you know, even though this is like (laughs) movies from the 70s, who cares? Um, But I was waiting for someone to shoot someone the entire movie. Anytime they had those long shots out to the audience, I was like, well, someone's going to shoot someone. Right. And uh, eventually it happened. And it was Barbara Jean. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and I and I like couldn't remember. I I mean, like, obviously, I knew that someone was gonna get shot and i like couldn't remember if it was gonna be her and then as it was going on it was like no of, of course it is like that's kind of the most obvious tragic ending and and we don't know if she dies like you can kind of assume like the last line is like you know i think it's it's her husband saying like i can't stop this bleeding and so like chances are you know barbara jean dies yeah but she's maybe you know she's kind of going down it's a, a downward spiral anyway i guess so it maybe it's all for the best but uh, yeah and even the entire scene i mean i know this leads into you know barbara harris's sort of big moment there too i was like why if this would happen in like 2023 do you think what would they do would they just stop i feel like there would be a big delay yeah well you know it it is it is kind of crazy that like the there's a shooting and they obviously and, and it ends up being this guy who is staying at Mr. Green's house and, you know, uh, L.A. Joan, you know, hangs out with him and, you know, what's in your fiddle case? That, that's my that's my L.A. Joan impression, apparently. Uh, <laughs> yes. What's in your fiddle case? <laughs> when she's in the background, just like flitting around. I yeah. love that. Uh, and so, yeah, he ends up and, and there's never really an explanation of like why or like, you know, who he is or, or the whole thing. It's just kind of like, you know just the randomness of of somebody who just wants to be known as an assassin but you know he gets quickly tackled especially by scott glenn who is you know he doesn't have many lines he plays this like army guy and yeah he's i always confuse him with lance henriksen but scott glenn he was uh he was in uh silence of the lambs that's what he was in oh did i make that up I... Yes, he was. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Oh, he's so hot in Silence of the Lambs. Oh my God, he is so hot. Wait, it's is obscene. he the one who's like next to Hannibal Lecter in that opening scene where he meets Clarice? No, not the no, one he kills. He's like Clarice's boss. Oh yes, Jack Crawford. Yeah. Yes. Isn't he like a little bit of a skis though? Didn't he like? Didn't her boss? Oh, maybe I'm thinking of something else. I saw that movie last year and I was scared. I yeah, I mean, scared. if he wants to be a skis with me, that's fine. But <laughs> yeah, Scott Glenn. Uh. There we go. Oh, he was in Vertical Limit. I remember seeing Vertical Limit in the movie theater. 
Whoa. Do you remember that movie? It was about like the, it was like a mountain climbing. I was going to say, yeah, is it something that I, I, it's foggy, but yes. Yeah. It wasn't very good. I can tell you that. So don't okay. waste your time. Don't put it on the list, please. I, I wouldn't dream of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's so strange where like they tackle the shooter and they get him out of there and then everybody's just kind of standing around and, and you kind of would expect, I feel like, especially now, nowadays, everyone would run and it would be, yeah, you know, yeah. It'd be over, but it's so, I, and I, I, I feel like there's elements of this that I don't, I certainly don't understand and wouldn't try to like analyze, but I feel like there is something so you know, the political cultural climate of the seventies about this whole movie. Yes. You know, there's something about this that I almost feel like it is intentional that everybody just stands around. And then the idea of like, well, somebody's just got to sing. Somebody's got to sing. Like it's, it's so, it's such a strange choice that it feels very intentional that like, that's the reaction to everybody just watching Barbara Jean get shot. Yeah. Um, it should have stopped. I just, it was and I think, yeah, for Haven to have that idea that someone should keep singing, it's like the most ludicrous thing that anyone who just got shot would ever say. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's so strange. And I wonder, like, I like the context that Haven is in complete shock. Like, he doesn't seem to be in pain at all. Like, he knows he's been shot in the arm, but he's, like, not feeling any pain. And I, I kind of love the idea that by the end, he's he's in such shock that the only thing he knows how to do is, like, well, we're here to sing. Somebody's got to sing. You got to perform for these people. And that's where his head goes at the end. And like, that's what he's focused on. And that the greater tragedy doesn't even sink in for him. Yeah. I guess it's like also just how art can really kind of distract us from, you know, the horrors of real, the real world and what's going on. And Mm -hmm. in this case, it's a gun. Uh, it's a shooting, and I think he has that line about this isn't Texas, this is Tennessee, and I think I laughed at that. I don't know why. Yeah, this um, ain't Dallas, is Nashville. Yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. Um, yeah, it's an interesting ending, and uh, like you said before too, we have uh, Suleen leaning against that <laughs> that pole in the back. She doesn't leave. Even that faraway shot at the end, you can see that awful pink dress. And I just, I love that. I love her. Yeah. I, I want to believe that this was a, a an awakening moment for Suleen. You know, like maybe it's not so great to be Barbara Jean. You know. Yeah. Maybe yep. she is going to go to Detroit. You know. I I kind of love that idea. I hope she does. I hope she does. She finds Wade. Yeah, yeah. And and I, of course there's, you know, it it's not ironic that the last the song being sung is a don't worry me. Uh Yep. But I I also love I love the progression of Barbara Harris having to win this crowd over and having to kind of, you know, make this song her own and like I just love the way that it goes from this sort of tentative thing to her getting into it and the chorus joins her and and I think you're right. I think there's something there about like just you know, find continuing on, you know, having art and music kind of be this a band aid and kind of a, you know, um, a blindfold, a, way, yeah. and a soothing kind of thing. Of course, there being a chorus, there's something kind of, you know, or a choir, excuse me, there's like a, a religious element to it. I don't know. I, 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 I don't understand it, but I appreciate it, you know? Yeah. I think really the, the movie as a whole for me had a lot of momentum and really kind of took off within those that last half hour which sounds yeah. silly to say because like there's that leaves out two hours and ten minutes of the movie beforehand but yeah. uh, that's when it really started to click and um 
uh, take off for me for sure. I I like a long movie sometimes because it's like that feeling of like, oh wow, we're just going to marinate in this world and I'm going to spend a lot of time with these people. And I guess in a way when it's a really long movie, the ending feels even more important, you know, because it took that long to get there. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting because when you say like being dropped in this world too, the first thing I really thought of and when they all crashed and they all got stuck in traffic, it just seems so chaotic because everyone would just sit in their car, but not in the seventies. You get out, you're ordering like frozen, you know, ice, ices and you're oh, jumping yeah. on the hoods of cars and you're screaming at each other. And it just felt like a, like a play or something, but in the best way possible, you know, uh, you know, Barbara Harris is like hopping over like a median. Yeah. <laughs> right. On the right. Bridge. Yeah. And I, I did, I, but it's like, it's, this world is a little chaotic and, and maybe that's intentional too. I'm sure that that scene was directed as such. I'm sure there's like some metaphor. We're probably not getting that, that car crash symbolized, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of read a think piece on Nashville, you know, and what, yeah. what really, maybe what I missed as I watched this. Yeah, there's definitely, I know there's some like video essays on YouTube and probably lots of think pieces. And I feel like it's a movie people love to analyze because it just like leaves it open for that. And as a whole, I like, I like to just think like, oh, this is in some way, this is telling me what America was like in the seventies, you know? And yeah, and I guess it's like, it's, it's particularly interesting because I mean, things feel so chaotic today and and politically things are so fucked up in every way in every single way everything feels fucked up right now and Mm -hmm. so i feel like watching something like this from a time it was like things were kind of fucked up back then too in a different way and with different factors but some ways they weren't that different at all you know and like this you know this this guy who's riding around in his van you know as a part of the replacements party is like is there a parallel with some of the pilots and maybe our last president? You know what I mean? In terms of like, like in what ways is Nashville relevant today? You know? Um, And in other ways, in what ways is Nashville so specific to the seventies? And I, I I don't know the answer, but I feel like there is a lot there that somebody could parse out. Yeah, I think so too. That van reminded me because it just comes in every so often of that. (laughs) Do you remember from, um, Wet Hot American Summer, that that like kid who's always talking in the microphone, uh-huh. talking to no one because it turns out that it wasn't plugged in at all. Near yeah, but yeah. It kind of, like just like a weird guy talking about whatever, and yeah, I don't know why that was where my head went, but yeah, it's like that kid would grow up to be. Uh, yeah, that guy. This, yeah, what was his name? Hal Hartley or something like that. I, yeah, we saw, we saw his name on eight thousand posters, and I can't remember it. Um, and we never see him. That's the thing too. Like we never, it like, he's supposed to come out at that political convention and he doesn't obviously because you know, Oh, that's right. Yeah. How Philip Walker. That's how Philip Walker. Yeah. yeah. So we never even see him. And I think I'd read that. Like, I think Robert Altman, he didn't want us to even see who shot Barbara Jean, that it would be even that, oh, that randomness wow. that like, yeah, just somebody shot her. Uh, but I mean, I, I think either way, you know, uh, the point was made. Yes, agreed. Well, it's uh, it, it sounds to me like we've got a little bit of a Grand Ole Opry going on right here on the podcast because we are getting played off. Oh, I knew it. Yeah, so get in your little van, get in your little Jeep, and, you know, 
head on down to the Parthenon for a little Barbara Jean. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hop on that Jeff Goldblum motorcycle, the tricycle thing. Oh, that's that tr done safe. <laughs> Did not like that. No, I think even somebody says like, oh, that, no, those are just, those are not safe. I don't know about those. Everyone's riding yeah. them now. Oh, I, I think... Who says it? Maybe Lady Pearl says it. Like after that Easy Rider movie, everyone's riding those motorcycles, which is yes, fascinating. I, I, it's so interesting when when there's a reference in the '70s to a movie in the '70s. You know? Yes. Yes. Oh God, reference queen Barbara Baxley um, <laughs> wasn't on your list. It's fine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh. oh well. Anyway, uh, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. Or if you have any voiceover projects coming up, folks, audiobooks, e-learning, whatever you want, uh, go to my new voiceover website, which is NK, which stands for Nick Channel, voiceover.com. How about you, Colin? Well, you could find more of me uh, on All Right, Mary. We have finished up season 15, and we're going to have a couple little, you know, episodes in the middle. But then in a couple of weeks, it's All Stars 8, you know. So Can't wait. That doesn't, you know, that train don't stop. So you can find me there. You can find me on Instagram at ColinTrucker underscore. And, of course, you can find more, more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSAPod. Or you can send us an email at TheBSAPod at gmail.com. And uh, keep your peepers peeled, Barbara Jean, because the best supporting after show is right around the river bend, and we have got some things to catch up on. We've got some fun assignments to check in on. Yeah. Uh, I've got a very nuanced movie I saw this past week that I'm going to talk about a little bit, and uh, you never know what will come up in the meantime. And if you want to find out and get early access to episodes just like this, go to patreon.com slash pod. Join yes. the party, folks. Yeah. Yeah, what else are you doing? Yeah. I don't know. Tell me. Uh, anyway, folks, we are going to get into our, our you know, pre-unleased to editor cells, Ruth and Cheryl, and get the hell out of here. So I guess that, as they say, is that. It's